It is a Friday edition of the Jack Michaels Show here on 740. The fan, Brad Anderson in the studio. D running around the uh, the block, too. It's always good to have our, our roundtable. We're loaded. That voice, that, that, that's that been, we've been using that for I don't know how long for our Friday show intro. Uh, North Country lead singer, Chris Hockey. And Chris is going to be performing tonight. He's in Fargo, by the way. Uh, the Armadillos, uh, Chris singing tonight. Where's he at? Downtown. Oh, downtown. Hockey's downtown. Not, not out in West Fargo country. No, I thought he's been so there too. too. Yeah, Hawk uh, joined News and Views with Joel Heikant today, so I had a chance to jump in there and say hi to Chris, and we were breaking down the Vikings, and Chris, and Chris just dropped out. I'm going, I'm on my way to Fargo, so get downtown and take in the uh, the Armadillos and, and Chris Hockey. Bring so, a sweatshirt. It's, and, it's, and, it's got, it got uh, turned into fall all of a sudden. Yeah, bring a hoodie, but, you know, the music's so hot. You know, it'll, 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 it'll get you rolling. I see what you did there. See yeah. what I did? That was a little segue on that. <laughs> we are so loaded today, Brad, as, and I mean that from a show's content standpoint. It's time well, content you know, standpoint. It's, I mean, hey, now. I, I mean, I, I know it's noon, but you know, it's you noon on a Friday, but you know, some of us have to work tonight. <laughs> That's right. You got a football game, I got a baseball do, game. Yes. That's right. We're, we're good to go. Uh, yeah, first of all, we've got you know the Vikings home opener, so uh, big shout-out to a lot of folks that that uh, bring you this piece and, and that we're going we're gonna to share with you today from Ben Lieber, uh, his conversation, talk a little Vikings football. And so there's a lot of people to, uh, to kind of say and, and give a shout-out to for Lieber's appearance today. Rick Electric, one of them, Royal Jewelers, certainly. Martins and Egg Risk Management, uh, Sight on Sound, Lindsay Echo Water. I'm thirsty already. Meets by John and Wayne. Welton's Tire Service. We love what. How many times have you driven by Welton's Tire Service in your lifetime? Too many to mention. You love and it, I've, right? Uh, I've yes, they have. Uh, they have helped bail me out a time or two. You mentioned Martinson Agris Management. There's a uh, yeah. Randy Martinson, the pride of Milner. Look at that. Yeah, I like how we drive with that town and country oil and propane. Uh, Good Lord, Luann. Put on, remember the, I can't think of anything, but the, <laughs> yes. the, 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 the Hank Hill, right? Yes, Hank He, and, he dealt Hank in propane. And, Hank and Peggy. Hank and propane Peggy. and propane accessories. That's it. Town and Country Oil and Propane. Comfort King, Trent Conroy with Stein Seed Company. I've, I've sat down with Trent before, a great man. Blackbird, Woodfire Pizza, and Regals. A lot of great sponsors, so when you... I uh, hear Ben Lieber today. That's who's made that possible. Corey Provis, the, the plane, it was a long, long Drive to the airport in Newark, then shorter flight, I'm sure, back to Minneapolis. But <laughs> the, the Twins and that traveling party, after finally salvaging a game against the Yankees, they uh, they got back and they're ready for Cleveland. I know that Minneapolis-St. Paul is getting some some rain today, too, as we, we said. So Corey will be along at 1220, as we do every week, uh, talk a little Twins baseball. Then Sam Herter, we're walking in. I caught last night, was last night, first of all, and I know the, the schedule's been nuts for old Uncle Jack, as you, as you may know, been kind of in a few different states in another country in the last week. But uh, last night I was able to to monitor. I watched Missouri State and, and, and UTM play that last night. That turned into a shootout. That huh? was absolutely just a wild game. And then the the funny thing is they're in Springfield because the uh, the Cardinals double-A is there. Kevin McGovern, when his contract was transferred to the Cardinals organization, played in Springfield. Their double-A game got done, and then like in the random middle of the third quarter of the football game, you just see fireworks firing off, and they're coming from the ballpark. Not from Plaster Stadium. It's a ballpark, and so I'm like, "What a wild scene in Springfield last night with the fireworks going on!" But yeah, that that was a gunslinging kind of game. Jason Shelley obviously is is really good, and uh, and he's got some receivers. Scott again looks like he's ready to 
reset a lot of records. And Missouri, Missouri State's in play. And, they, and, and certainly Petrino's got some transfers coming over from FBF, FBS schools. But they're in play. And there's a reason they are. But uh, not only that, North Dakota State in action uh, this weekend at home. Uh, UND's got a large one against Northern Iowa. Sam Herter will uh, stop by. And if you've read uh, any of Sam's stuff on Athlon or Hero Sports, you know the guy is uh, really an inside track to FCS football. So uh, I'm glad we were able to secure Sam for a couple minutes today. So that's what I mean. We've got kind of a loaded show today, Brad. Uh, This just in, not too long ago, before we hear from Ben Lieber. And I'm I'm trying to digest it now as I'm looking at some of these things. And, and Brad, you and I know if you, you cut our veins open, a lot of baseball falls out. You know, you love the sport. I certainly uh, love that. Red Hawks in action tonight, by the way, uh, got a win. Major League Baseball has passed a sweeping set of rules changes that is going to overhaul the game. I get change is inevitable. I get this sport has been around for a long, long time. And I understand the fact that some of the changes that have been made, whether it be you know, the schedule changes, height of a mound change, ball changes, physically the baseball. I get fences, stadiums, you know, roster sizes. All I understand how baseball has to evolve and, and, and has. But here we go. Friday, today. Baseball has passed rules changes to implement a pitch clock, ban defensive shifts, among others. The competition committee has six ownership-level representatives, four players and one umpire, approved today a pitch clock. These will be into effect, obviously not this year, but next. A pitch clock of 15 seconds with empty bases, And 20 seconds with runners on. They've implemented changes, a defensive alignment that must include two infielders on each side of the second base bag with both feet on the dirt, as well as rules limiting pickoff moves and expanding the size of bases. Brad, that's just a few things that have come down today. You know, I don't mind the pitch clock because you, if you go to um, if you go to a Twins game or a major, any other major league game, if you go to a Twins game and they have the clock at the end of the half inning, that's like whatever, us two and a half minutes and whatever. I'm I'm okay with that. You know, it, 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 guys are dinging around in the batter's box or they're stepping out or they're just in their batting gloves. Yeah. Or everything, get back, get in the box and go. I have the. And same with the you know same with pitchers. Pitchers are just as guilty of it as hitters are sometimes. So I'm pitch clock. I'm so you're okay, okay with, with the pitch I'm okay clock. with the pitch clock. Okay, I'm fine with. I'm that. Willing, yeah. If if, if uh, there are stalling tactics in baseball, there's reasons for stalling tactics in baseball to get pitchers loose in the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a right. lot of things in baseball that that. It's a lot of strategy going on. Yeah, there, a lot yeah. of strategy. Great word. Uh, I do know too where where their strategy is going on on quick pitches. You know, if you've got something rolling and your pace is up tempo, and that batter's in a plate, maybe not ready, and, and boom, you can bring a pitch in there. That's why you always see time being called, time being pulled. You know that kind of thing. So I get the speed up, and and I understand that, but to a degree, where you know we take some things, I guess, out of the human element, the error from an umpire. Where, you know, you've seen where a batter is in 
and then calls time. Sometimes an umpire doesn't have to award that, and you can let's go, let's pitch. So mm-hmm. the, the batter that's a, that's adjusting the the batter like, whoosh, 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 that's a constant thing. You know, he's going out. That's taking time. But I get it. Pitchers have been uh, notorious for taking time on the hill. Some guys just take longer to throw. The limiting to the the throws to the bag, the pickoff attempts. Because nobody steals bases anymore. I guess, why. but that now, but now you're, now you're, now now you're. I'm just, I'm just like, okay, what are you going to limit how many cheeseburgers I can order the drive-through? <laughs> what is this, America? What is this? What is, this is a Russia? This is, say, this Scotty Miller would say, "What is this, Russia? What is this, Russia? This is Czechoslovakia. Is it been? Is it about? You know, that's the thing. Sometimes, Brad, that I'd have a. You know, if I want to throw over Maury Wills when he broke the, the stolen base mark, I think they threw over 14 times minimum. 14 consecutive times. Mm-hmm. And granted, I'd be booing too, but here's the deal. Part of the game, trying to keep him close, right? It would, you know, if, if you're limited at three and then you get And I understand the game has changed, but you know what? There are some fundamental things. What if the stolen base comes back? You know, what if, what if that comes back and it becomes a key strategy for the offense? And now... You have a limited pickoff attempts and, and all of it. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I don't mind. I'm, I would bend with you on pitch clocks. I would go. I'd go with yeah, you. Yeah, I say I, out of I'd the go changes, with you on that. that doesn't that doesn't irk me as much as some of the other stuff does. So uh, I'm going to look at over all this. Stuff. We got Ben Lieber coming up and here. We also have a caller in the oh, line. Oh, quickly, Will wants to talk about the uh, new baseball rules. Let's here. go to Will. Will, what do you got, my man? Hey, thanks for taking my call, you guys. Can you hear me? You bet. Yes, sir. Oh yeah, no, I, I was going to say. Um, I guess as an appreciator of baseball of the way it is, I'm not a real um, super excited about those changes you guys were just mm-hmm. going over and discussing, especially that pitch clock. Because, I mean, you know, one of the one of the things like uh, you know that could like basically create a situation where you never get a Jack Morris pitcher anymore. Because I don't know if you guys remember or not, but old Jack Morris there, um, you know, he was notorious for. Uh, getting frustrated with himself sometimes even, not even so much the batter of the game, you know, and taking that ball and working it over and walking around the mound right. before coming back for that right. next pitch and so on and so forth. And conversely, as you guys were saying, too, with the whole, you know, batter asking for time in the batter's box and stuff, I mean, I, I get that, okay, you know, people who are maybe Gen X and older are going to be more upset fan-wise, right, than younger um younger generations, younger crowds of fans and, and whatnot, but I don't think it's really, you know, stay out of my yard, get off my lawn guy, you know, take to be like, right. the game's worked since, um, you know, it's been the game <laughs> right. since, what, the 19th century, and yes, it's gone through dramatic changes with the home run and, you know, change of the pitching mound and stuff and whatever, but the one thing that's fundamental about baseball and, like, all the other sports, and sorry to be so long, I'll hang up and listen mm-hmm. to you guys' comments, is there's no clock. You have to accomplish something. You have to get a walk. You have to hit a base hit or a home run or right. whatever. Or you have to get, if you're the pitcher, you have to get an out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I, I don't think, you know, that introducing the pitch clock, you know, I'd rather they have the umpire, like, tell the pitcher to hurry up. And if he gets, you know, back talk or guff or whatever, right. that... You know, okay, well, that's a ball then if you're going to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like right? where you're versus, going, Will. Versus, no. versus the pitch clock. I'll, I'll let you guys go. You have Good, a great day. Good, nice job. Yeah, you, you, you have to – you have to have a walk, but you don't have to have a walk in a certain period of time. You can have an 18. You can follow off 18 pitches. You know, I could still dig a free pass. Yep. You could play. No, Will's on to something there, too. By the way, the pickoffs and step-offs 
reset the pitch clock, and the rules will limit pitchers to two for each plate appearance. Number resets if a runner advances. You know, and I, I get it. I understand it, and I am, I'm hard to change, and I get it. I'm, I'm, I am my father's son. <laughs> I uh, And by the way, happy birthday to happy Dad. Happy birthday to Roy. 92. I buried the lead. 92. To, yeah. 92 today. And I know we got to get to Ben here, Brad, because this is a whole other probably show. Yes. But at what point, remember on, on uh, what was the dating game, Love Connection with Chuck Woolery? Back in two and two, yes. Back in two and two. And people, how did they decide who went on a date? The audience clicked, right? Right. And the, the percentage. Audience, the audience picked, yes. At what point are we going to be able to, as fans, click and tell them what pitch is coming? Let's see. We're going to go to the cutter, the slider. Now the fans will vote. Let's let's really incorporate the fans. Well, Twins Twitter would be happy to make pitching changes for Rocco. <laughs> uh, they really would. Uh, Text Club here has some really good points. One, yeah. this is baseball's trying to save their game. Have you seen this year's attendance figures? Yeah. That's a very fair point. Uh, getting rid of the shift is so dumb. These are major league players, uh, for God's sakes. Learn how to light out a bunt. Adding a pitch clock will speed up the game, but getting rid of the shift will create more runs and make the games even longer. Yeah, you're right. You're gonna, you're gonna, now you're, again, and the premise, it's like you're telling them how to defend. Mm-hmm. Huh? <laughs> Again, are you telling me the NBA used to have, uh, you, you couldn't play zone defense. Remember they used to have a legal defense? Yeah, right, legal defense. Yes. Yeah, three-second violation on a de- yeah, like you, defense. Like defensive three seconds. Yeah, defensive three always, seconds. It was always a legal defense right. back yeah. in the day. But, defensive uh, three seconds. Events, the second one results in a technical foul shot. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm going to order what I want through the drive through you can't tell me what to you know. It's, it's almost that you're attitude. Not me if, you're not like, telling me if I want tater tots. If I want to put Peter Maris and, and move him on the other side of second base, I'll put Peter Maris on the other side. I, I get it. It's even now. Granted, we're so analytical now, and there's a lot of different shifting and all that uh, because it, it's forced it. But I get it's baseball. It's a sport, and I get it can be long. But you know what? It's it's still You're Joey Gallower, Max Kepler, learn how to hit the ball to left field. <laughs> Doesn't have a clock. Just, just saying. <laughs> How many times did Jim Tomei lay one down the third baseline? Anyway, counted on this hand. Our right cover, here. Joel Aiken, had a chance to catch up with Ben Lever. Again, our Vikings home opener sponsor is brought to you by Rick Electric, Royal Jewelers, Martins, and Ag Risk Management. Thanks to Regals and Blackbird Woodfire Pizza, Trent Conroy with Stein Seed Company, Comfort King, Town and Country Oil and Propane, Welton's Tire Service, Meats by John and White, Lindsay Echowater, and Sight on Sound. And Joel had asked Ben, Boy, it must have been fun to play in the National Football League, Ben Lieber. You know, it was it was a lot of fun. It really was. I mean, it's obviously now because it's been so many years, you you really tend to remember just the fun stuff. But you know, I got to be honest. You know, there are times where it, it did just feel like a job, and it was it was like everything else, and it was kind of it was it was hard. You know, it's um, full of anxiety as much as there is excitement. Um, you're constantly just kind of battling with yourself and battling with the competition behind you. So it can be very stressful. But at the end of the day, when you, when it's all said and done, you, you look back on it and say it's, it's the most incredible experience that you could ever go through. So I'm really, really appreciative of it. It, it seemed a little different this year, three preseason games, uh, none of the starters really playing. Does that help or hurt? You know, I, I used to think, and I've kind of had a shift in perspective in the last couple of weeks, you know, really talking about this a lot because we were, we were going through it in the preseason. And um, I, I really had to check myself and realize that if I wanted to live in a anal- football analytical world where I always compared myself in the current world to the way things were done when I played, I, I just think that 
it's a uh, it's a really lazy way to look at things and and not that everything has to be progressive but my mindset i think needs to change and get get with the times the reality is the vikings have been around for over 50 years and it's been done in the way that it was going at the present time and we look on it we look back on it and say well that's old school football that's traditional football that's the way it's supposed to be played what has that gotten the Vikings in the last 50 years? There's zero championships. There's no, there's no Super Bowl. There's no parade. And, and it really started to dawn on me that the, the Wilf family and the front office, they wanted a change. And they went out and got Quasi. They are going a little bit more analytical. Uh, they're being a little bit more progressive. They went out and found a young coach, a young offensive coach that has some, some progressive leanings as far as what he, how he sees the way you treat players and the, the way you treat practices. And just because it's not old school, traditional football, it doesn't mean that it's wrong. And so I've, I've looked at this as like, I'm with it. You know, if, if they feel like it's going to keep the guys healthier and if they're playing the long game that uh, they want to be healthy and fast and furious in December and January, then let's have an open mind to see if this is going to work. And, um, I'm not looking at this one game against the Packers to say, hey, if they lose this game, like, oh, there it is. That's everything that we thought was going to happen if they didn't play in the preseason. I really think that these guys are they're looking out and forecasting for what's going to happen later in the season. They've got their eyes on the prize at the end of the season, and I don't think they're going to be tripped up by something that happens in the first quarter. I know this is going to sound too simplistic, but as somebody who goes to a lot of these games uh, and sees – myself disappointed uh, because you've got a third down six, third down and seven, uh, and the Vikings run a dump-off pass to a a running back and end up with a a three-yard play, a four-yard play. To me, that's going to be the tell of this new coaching staff. That that's going to be the tell because, and it's going to tell me a lot about Kirk Cousins and what he's being asked to do because. I don't care if he gets a pick a game, uh, as long as he's moving the ball down the field and taking some chances, Ben. Yeah, I think there's some truth to that, but I also think that you know you got to realize that with this new this new what we think is going to be a completely shifted offense, it's about spacing, and I think it's designed that it, it is going to be a lot of shorter, quicker throws. And I'm not saying it's going to be completely West Coast, and it's not going to look like uh, an air raid offense that we see in college, but I think it's designed to let guys run after the catch. So if it is a third and sixth and there's a dump off at three yards, well, by design, if we've got multiple guys in the routes and they're stretching the field vertically and horizontally, there should be some room to run. And, and so I don't always think that's going to be a bad thing in this offense. I think it looked bad in the previous offenses because, A, we needed to keep a tight end in to protect. We needed to keep a running back in to protect. We were going max protection because our offensive line was so porous, and we couldn't necessarily trust that Kirk was going to get the time to operate. So let's. the key to this whole thing is, can we protect with just five guys up front? If we can do that, and we don't need uh, a running back to stay in the backfield to help, we don't need a tight end in that D area to help protect on the line. If we can get those guys out in routes, 
geez, there's going to be all sorts of avenues and windows to throw into. You know, the the Vikings are tribal as the Packers. And if you look at Western uh, Wisconsin and you ask them, uh, the Packer fans, who their arch rival is, it's the Vikings. Uh, I know a lot of people point to Chicago. I, I get that. But the, the truth of the matter is, this is a big division rivalry. And these are the top two teams in the North for a long time. Should they be, should they be playing the first game of the year? <laughs> I like that question because I, I think that you can – you can really look at it from both directions and make really strong arguments. I I would prefer that this be played later in the season, and I'm not saying that has to be game eight, nine, or ten, but I think you know game four, five, or six uh, I think would make more sense. In all fairness to the new offensive weapons that that the Packers have, um, I'm sure that they all their fan bases are like, well, I mean, if we lose, it's because we don't really know what we have and guys aren't necessarily healthy and then you know look at from the vikings perspective we don't none of the starters played so you know if if the vikings go out there and lay an egg we're like well it's not really fair either because we know that we have a talented team and we like the offensive philosophy and the defensive philosophy but hey we got to cut these guys a break they haven't really played so i i think from a from a gameplay and a purity of just high quality games, I think having this game and in, in game, you know, four, five, or six would make more sense. It's a three twenty five kickoff Sunday afternoon, and uh, you'll hear that game on our brother station seven ninety KFGO, amongst others. By the way, uh, we we like to spread those Vikings around a little bit. Yeah, so it's also be on one hundred one nine Jack FM. Like so Rick uh, Rick Electric Royal Jewelers Martins and Ag Risk Management Sight on Sound Lindsay Eckowater Meets by John and Wayne. Thank you. Welton's Tire Service, Town and Country Oil and Propane, Comfort King, Trent Conroy with Stein Seed Company. We thank Blackbird Wood Fire Pizza. That sounds good for lunch right now. And Regals uh, for the, making that possible. Thank you, Joel Eitkamp. Uh, joining us uh, was Ben Lever right there with Joel Step Aside. Corey Provost coming up around the corner. Uh, Sam Herter yet to come today. It is a busy, packed Friday. It's Jack Michael Show with Brad Anderson on 740 The Fan. Sam Herter coming up. We'll be talking a little FCS football uh, shortly, but not before we chat a little baseball. Corey Provis each week comes to us right here on 740 The Fan. And Corey's uh, appearance on the show brought to you by Dean's Bulk Service and the Twins. Well, they finally salvaged a game against the Yankees yesterday. And, of course, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, Corey, uh, I had asked you about who needs to step up big time. Your your answer was was uh, was Mr. Correa, Carlos Correa, and obviously Correa had a big swing last night. Corey Provis had his biggest swing as a twin yet, Jack. When it mattered most, eighth inning, two out, two run homer turned out to be the game winning swing, and the Twins hung on uh, to win by one. But uh, it's been odd how poor he has been in those big moments, and he'll be the first to tell you that he hasn't delivered uh, as often as he is used to doing uh, in those clutch spots late in games, uh, even two outs, runners in scoring position that the guy had, I think, five or six hits all year. I mean, it's not it's not been uh, normal to, to see Correa perform in that manner, but man, when it counted last night, came up huge, and uh, his confidence after the game, I thought was pretty telling that, you know, he, he had seen that slider from Greg Weiser, you know, two times earlier, and so he had a good read on what he was going to do, how he was throwing his breaking ball. And uh, he left that one up, and Correa made him pay for the game-winning swing. The uh, also got a nice outing, I thought, from Sonny Gray. And then you know, wasn't wasn't the most attractive uh, game four of that series. There, there were obviously it wasn't clean, 
uh, but it was a win. And and Sonny Gray was a good part of that last night. Yeah, needed him last night. Six innings, two runs. Um, you know, the Twins are near the bottom in baseball, getting getting length from their starting staff of starts six innings or more. I think the Twins now just 33 starts. They have done that second fewest to, to Washington in all of baseball right now. So that's been that's been few and far between. Um, you know, I think Sonny has done it now maybe seven or eight times that the starts have gone at least six innings. But uh, the next two games, or the, these two guys are not known for doing that uh, in length and in Bundy and Archer. Uh, these are guys that don't pitch all that deep. Um, a lot of that is because of stats and, and how they have fared. Third time they see a lineup. But, uh, you know, the, the Guardians have their top guys ready. I mean, the, the Twins are going into this series a bit undermanned um, with just who they have available and, more importantly, who they don't have available while the Guardians are, are a pretty healthy ball club. And from the uh, the weather standpoint, I know Minneapolis-St. Paul today uh, getting a little bit wet. We'll see how that plays out uh, throughout the night and the weekend. Dylan Bundy uh, tonight, Cleveland, and, and this is one you circle. My guess is the mood on the plane uh, after the win last night at least was, was somewhat maybe better, Corey, perhaps even subdued with a sense now that, okay, uh, here's what we have in front of us. Uh, but you tell us, what was the mood uh, uh, last night on the plane? The flight was only just over two hours, but the ride from Yankee Stadium to Newark Airport uh, in Jersey was almost as long. We hit just some horrible traffic with construction and roads shut down and trying to get to Jersey to the Holland Tunnel. Uh, It was like six lanes were merging into one. It was about an hour and 45-minute, hour and 50-minute commute alone from the ballpark to the airport, and then the flight was, you know, just about as long. And that's, it was it was not your usual, and the traffic is always bad in, in New York City, but that time of night, it, it was all construction-related, and, man, it was terrible. But, uh, yeah, once they got on the plane, I mean, Jack, I conked out. So I was I was in the back, and I, uh, I put my headphones in, had the music going, and I was out. Uh, so I, I kind of popped up here and there, but I know there was a card game going on, but I, it was – Two thirty in the morning, I could care less who was playing or who was winning. But uh, yes, I mean, so there were guys, some enjoying it, but I think the bulk of those that were on the plane were, were sleeping. Yeah, Corey had Pearl Jam yet. Unless you don't. Yeah, I I, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I know you're looking at, at, at a three game weekend series trying to win the series, and the Twins also the bigger picture. You've got five in the front window coming up with Cleveland. So do you look at this as, as eight games in a short period of time? Do you look at it as a three game weekend series, or are you just flat out, let's look at tonight Paul Quantrill versus Dylan Bundy? How, how, do twin, how should Twins fans be looking at this, Corey? Well, I hope that next weekend when these two teams play, the Twins are healthier. I hope that that maybe maybe Byron is back next weekend. I hope that next weekend Polanco is back. You know, I'm curious tonight, Jack, you know, is Kepler going to play? Uh, he had two pinch hitting uh, rolls and struck out twice. Did not look very good. He's dealing with a bad hip. And I thought it was also interesting that Luis Arias did not play late in the game last night. I don't know if he has something going on. Uh, because I understand why he didn't start with Nestor Cortez going for the Yankees, but I thought there were some moments for a rise to bat eighth and ninth inning last night, and it, and it didn't happen. So I hope that and that was a red flag. So hopefully that's not significant because it's Correa and Miranda right now offensively. Uh, if, if those two guys are out, Kepler and a rise. So, and you look at the Guardians, Jack, that's a healthy team. I mean, they have their lineup, they have their pitching are ready to go. 
So I, I, you know, the twins just, you know, try to hang in there with what they have. Uh, they're going into the series under man. Doesn't mean they can't win. And they're going to rely on the crowd. And we said this late last night, Jack, this has to be the loudest, the most passionate target field has been all weekend long. I mean, here they are. They're in a playoff race. The wild card is probably slipping away at this point. It's either division or bust. And that's where it's going to be. And to make a run at it, Bar joined his postgame last night. The Twins have a chance. They have a chance to turn this division race around in three short days. Uh, they control their own fate if they do that. But, you know, they're going in, again, without a lot of key guys. They're going to need the crowd to really lift them up uh, tonight and all weekend long. And last but not least, you know, these two teams, Corey, haven't played, I think, since that, that, that five-gamer in June. And here we are in September. It, it probably feels like it's been a, a year since they played Cleveland. But from June to September, and maybe you just went over some of the things that are different between these two things, uh, teams, Corey, Cleveland and Minnesota. But from the June series, anything you can take out of that uh, that, that applies uh, to this series and series coming up in, here this weekend in, in September? I, I hope that, you know, I, I, I'm just speaking on fact here that I don't think Emilio Pagan is going to throw in big moments in this series like he did when these two teams last played. You know, Pagan had a nightmare of, of a stretch against Cleveland, both at target field and then at progressive field. And the Twins' bullpen does look vastly different from the last time that these two teams played with the additions of Lopez and Fulmer. Um, you know, and, and Duran has been amazing. I don't know if Durant pitches tonight because of the two innings he worked in game one of the doubleheader on Wednesday, but, man, it's going to be hard for Rocco not to go to him. If it's a one-run game late and, you know, Ramirez and, and Jimenez are on and, and Naylor are all coming up, they're big hitters, um, it's, it's going to be hard not to use them uh, here tonight. So uh, I think the Twins' bullpen is pretty thin just based on who they used last night, who they used on Wednesday, and, uh, you know, I'm sure Pagan would welcome that challenge after how he looked last time out. But, man, uh, that's not the role that he has anymore on this team. He's just had too hard of a time keeping the ball in the ballpark. Uh, despite his velo, just makes too many mistakes with two strikes, leaves too many pitches over the middle. And Cleveland single-handedly, Jack, I mean, they, they dominated him. I mean, I haven't looked at the numbers here lately, but if right. you look at Pagan's ERA against Cleveland, it's got to be getting close to a $20 bill. I mean, it's mm. that high. I mean, if, if he had that bad of a run uh, against that one team over a short amount of time uh, that I just can't fathom him going in that same spot at any point this weekend or next weekend. Well, despite being a game and a half back in the Central, technically it still is in Minnesota's hands, and that's what this weekend is all about. Obviously, that's what the games down the stretch are all about. Corey, I know it was a, it was a late flight uh, back in. You mentioned the drive to Newark and, and all that, but uh, be rocking and rolling tonight uh, all across the, uh, the Twins Radio Network. Corey, thanks for the time. As always, talking baseball, and uh, go get them this weekend, buddy. All right, Jack. Talk to you next week. Corey Provis, the radio voice of the Minnesota Twins, brought to you each Friday right here on the Jack Michael Show by Dean's Bulk Service. We'll step aside for a second, come back. There's a lot of big ones coming up this weekend. You know, North Dakota State back at home trying to start 2-0 and before their trip out to the uh, the desert. North Dakota, after a good showing against Nebraska, uh, they've got a conference game. Northern Iowa, North Dakota. Intriguing game at the Alaris Center. Potato Bowl week this week. Uh, certainly in the, in the wake of South Dakota State's uh, game with Iowa. A lot of FCS action going on. Missouri State and, and Tennessee Martin last night was a big one. You know, two teams that are picked uh, rather high. And if you're talking about UTM, all the way to the highest in their conference. And 
Missouri State. So that that one, as Brad said, was a shootout. 65 combined points, separated by five points at the end. Sam Herter has all the answers, or at least we'll have him ask. We'll ask him that and see what the answers are. Sam, coming up next, talk a little FCS and more. That's next, right here on 740 The Fan. It's Friday, and it's ready to roll. And uh, high school Friday Night Lights tonight. Before we bring Sam on, Brad, where can they find Brad Anderson tonight? All right. Uh, we'll be in Kindred at yes. Drillow Field, top-ranked Vikings and uh, Oak Grove. That'll be on 104.7 KFGO-FM. And then if you go to uh, KFGO.com, you can find the link for the uh, the high school live stream. You can l- listen there as well. And uh, looking forward to next Friday as well. I was just talking with uh, Justin Beam over at West Fargo next week. Packers and Davies. Oh, uh, next week. And that'll be here on the fan. I think uh, well, that'll be our first football game actually on the fan. We've been on 104.7 for a few weeks, but looking forward to that. My one hope is that too. the Hawks are still going on, but that would be an off day for yes, the it, uh, for it, baseball. It, it, it is so. an off day, yes. Yeah, so yeah let's right. Red Hawks got a win tonight, by the way, uh, over Winnipeg, and hopefully they will. The big sycamore, a former Indiana State. There's a there's a collegiate pitcher, the, of, the the, year the, uh, pitcher uh, of the year. Rookie rookie pitcher of the year. Pitcher of the year. Yeah. That's right. Same as Sam Herter. All right, Sam Herter joining us uh, he's, today. He's FCS sports writer. He's might have been the be. senior FCS analyst of the year, and uh, Sam's a guy that that certainly has, has cut his chops, found a place where he is excelling in, and and that is just uh, got his hands on on analyzing FCS. And Sam joins us today on the show. Hi, Sam. How you doing? How you doing on Friday, Sam? I'm doing great. I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, good to have you on. I, I was joking with Brad. I said our center fielder for the Red Hawks, uh, he was a triple A AAA with the Yankees release. Red Hawks signed him. And the other day we were in the clubhouse, we were talking football, and he goes, hey, my, my buddy plays in the Missouri Valley, one of my best friends. I said, who's that? He goes, Jason Shelley. I went, Jason Shelley? I voted him for top quarterback <laughs> of the league. And, and last night, of course, Missouri State and, and Tennessee Martin. Now there's a, there's a nice little Thursday tilt last night, and Shelley goes for, what, five touchdowns? I think he uh, – he was uh, responsible for it. It was back and forth in Tennessee Martin, but two good FCS clubs uh, going toe-to-toe last night, right, Sam? Yeah, that was a fantastic game. Uh, I believe Shelley, he threw just as many touchdown passes as he did in completion. Uh, I, I think he's the best quarterback uh, in the FCS. His, uh, his wide receiver, Tyrone Scott, who I believe now was going by Ty Scott instead of Tyrone Scott, uh, but Ty Scott is, is one of the better wide receivers in the FCS, and that was a, a really good game. Uh, I'm very high on Missouri State this year. I thought UT Martin uh, looked good as well. They have a lot of good athletes on defense. Uh, you know, John Ford is a, you know, a 6'3 middle linebacker, a really good player for UT Martin, uh, and their quarterback as well, Dresser Wynn, a uh, great name there. Yeah, uh, He looked great as well. So that was just a, a really well-played yeah, there were some defensive breakdowns in the secondary, but I thought it was just overall a really well-played FCS team. I, I don't disagree. I think Missouri, Missouri State certainly is in play this year. They were in play last year, and it's, it's a program that uh, – got to be careful of a program like that. There just seems to be some an in, injection of optimism, upward trends. If they were a stock, you probably should have purchased them, Sam. This is – not often have we talked FCS. Obviously, it's been a lot of North Dakota State, and in this region, you know, UND and their upstart – but Missouri State's in play, Sam, period, plain and simple, right? Absolutely, yeah. And you kind of you go back and, and you wonder how exactly they were at the bottom of the Missouri Valley for so long. Uh, I believe their last playoff appearance before the spring season was 1990. And there was just always, they were kind of always that afterthought. It was Western Illinois and, you know, sometimes yeah. Youngstown State, Missouri State kind of as those bottom three. But now that they're good, you, you kind of look at Missouri State and go, 
Yeah, this is a, a program that should be good in the FCS. I mean, they have a, a it's a nice town, nice nice campus. The stadium uh, has been renovated recently. It's pretty nice. A uh, great area for recruiting. And also now that they're winning games under Coach Petrino, you look at them and say, yeah, this should be one of the better teams in the FCS. And they have, I think it's like you go down there, their roster, and they have like 40 transfers, mm. uh, whether it be this year or in previous years. Uh, and so Coach Petrino has really overhauled the, the talent on that roster, and now they're looking like one of the better teams in the FCS. Looking at last week from the um, from the Valley, Sam, I think the one that stood out the most, and it might have been a warning shot, uh, uh, Southern Illinois, who I think is another team kind of in the in the mix there, gave up 64 to Incarnate Word. How uh, how big a red flag is that? Yeah, it's that was surprising uh, for sure. I, I was expecting some type of shootout. Uh, with, with Lindsey Scott Jr., a great quarterback, and also Nick Baker, the Southern Illinois quarterback, uh, two really talented guys. I, I was expecting maybe a, I don't know, 42-35 game with Southern Illinois winning, but that score in watching that game was shocking. Uh, and, you know, Lindsey Scott, a great transfer from Nichols to UIW, he lit up that secondary. And, and all credit to him, I think it was like six or seven touchdown passes. But some of those touchdown passes, I don't know if it was blown coverage or just a corner or a slot corner getting – you know, absolutely burned, but there were some wide-open guys down the field in that game, uh, which is surprising because SIU has sent some guys in the secondary to the NFL, and they have some guys back there right now. Uh, PJ Jules, I believe, is his name. Uh, he's a he's a talented guy, and so it was it was a very surprising game. Southern Illinois is is kind of viewed as that riser team in the FCS compared to where they were in 2015 to where they are now. Uh, you know, have have really risen their play under Nick Hill, but yeah, that was a a huge red flag where you go Southern Illinois was getting a lot of top 10 love. Now you know, maybe they're not a playoff team uh, this year. You look at the numbers on that game. I'm glad you brought that up, Brad. And, and, and Sam talked about some of the, the numbers and personnel on that one. That particular game, Incarnate Word rolled up 550 yards of offense in that game, 451 through the air. They rushed for 99. They also had 100 yards of penalties against them in that game. <laughs> and the time of possession – Almost 40 for uh, SIU in 20 minutes and 10 seconds for Garnet Word. Now, wow. that, that is uh, – and then I go to the turnovers and go, well, SIU must have gave it – nah, one turnover. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that is, uh, that's Texas kind of Houston gamblers we were talking, yeah. kind of shoot it out kind of yeah, game. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of air raid and just slinging it. Yeah, air raid stuff on that. Let's, uh, let's go internally here. North Dakota State, I don't know what it – I know Matt Entz would say, all right, Jack, settle down. But it almost seems like you're getting through the first two games just to see what happens in game number three, Sam Brandy SU. Taking nothing away from – but you, know, you kind of thought that's what they would do to Drake. You have a feeling what they might do against North Carolina A&T, and, and hopefully it's a good game. But it's almost like you're looking for the first two because that FBS game is sitting in game three. Yeah, I think you're spot on. Uh, you know, Drake last week. North Carolina A&T this week, who is a proud FCS program, has had a lot of success. Yes, uh, you know, you just go back five years; they've, they've had multiple FBS wins, they've had multiple HBCU national titles in the Celebration Bowl. They, you know, now going away from that and, and eyeing playoff appearances, they, they've sent a lot of guys to the NFL as well. But they, they are just a bit down uh, this year, and so I don't expect this to be a competitive game. Uh, and yeah, the, the big one obviously is, is going to Arizona. Uh, NDSU's first FBS opponent since, I believe, 2016 when they went to Iowa. And so you could tell that the it was a slow start last week for NDSU. I don't know if 
it'll be, you know, the, the cleanest of games either tomorrow just because they know they can, you know, kind of lollygate through this game and still win handily. And maybe maybe they're looking forward to, to next week. But, I mean, frankly, overall, NDSU's schedule is not all that tough uh, this year. Uh, you know, usually NDSU has, even when they have one loss, they have a great case for the number one or number two playoff seat because they have so many ranked wins. But the non-conference this year is not all that tough for the Bison. In conference play, they avoid Northern Iowa and Missouri State. And so it's, it's not the toughest of schedules for NDSU, which kind of sets them up nicely again for a top two seed this year. Because, you know, maybe they lose twice to Arizona and South Dakota State, but more than likely probably will go 10-1, and one, which will be, you know, good enough for a top two seed there. Uh, how surprised were you with, I guess, a couple of things. You know, the game that we've highlighted here, Northern Iowa and UND. Um, how surprised were you that UND hung in there against Nebraska? And I guess the other way is uh, how surprised were you to see Northern Iowa just get uh, just get blitzed like they did with that running attack from uh, from the Air Force? Yeah, I wasn't too surprised with the Nebraska UND game. I thought it would be tight for about three quarters, and then you see it a lot with these FCS versus Power Five uh, games where the you know the depth and the, the trenches you know just kind of take over, and you know Nebraska just kept on leaning on UND and, and pulled away there in the fourth quarter. But I thought. For the most part, you know, uh, mostly a new look UND offensive line, I thought held in there pretty well. Uh, Isaiah Smith, uh, I thought, and we saw some sparks for him last year, but I thought he looked solid as well. Uh, and so I think, you know, you can say what you want about moral victories and all that, but I thought UND and its fan base should be, uh, you know, pretty excited overall about how that game went. On the flip side, Northern Iowa you know, giving up 582 yards rushing, I, I get that Air Force is, a, is an option attack, but, but defending the run is what Northern Iowa's kind of hung its hat on. Uh, I know they lost some, some key guys on the defensive line, but Northern Iowa's linebackers are still fantastic. And so that was a game and a result that, that really surprised me and kind of flipped my mindset of, of how this game on Saturday is going to play out. It is a, and having called, obviously, the, the North Dakota-Nebraska game, I, I'm right there with you, too. And, and to me, I'll go down, I wish that third down and 15 inside their, their own 10 for Nebraska had it not been converted, Sam. I'm curious, uh, you know, what happens if that thing is still, if tied or a one-point game with UND of football and, at Memorial Stadium, that would have been intriguing. And, and so I like your, your comment on that. You're right. Uh, you know, North Dakota, by the way, has Missouri State on their schedule, has Northern Iowa on their schedule, has North Dakota State in their schedule, has South Dakota State in their schedule. So we talk about strength of schedule going on. I think if Bubba can navigate through some pretty tumultuous waters, uh, if they could, and that, that maybe going back and putting a close on the UND, UNI game, that's what makes this one maybe even a little bit bigger. Right, Sam? This this is, a, it's not all the marbles, but it's a good size marble this weekend, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And I wrote that in my uh, score predictions article this week that it's week two it's so it's not a must win but it's pretty dang close to being a must win because yeah granted you know an fbs loss isn't going to impact your uh your playoff resume to kind of scratch that but you know still falling to zero and two for any one of these teams when they lose this game you know that's not ideal especially with with the bulk of you know the schedule going forward and you look at und next week going to northern arizona that's going to be a pretty tough game. And then Northern Iowa next week hosts Sacramento State, a top-10 team. And so, you know, I, I think UND has a, has a great shot to win this weekend. I have a, have a great, They have a great shot to win next weekend. But if UND loses this game, 
you know, there's always a chance they lose next weekend too. All of a sudden you're looking at 0-3. On the flip side, you know, UND could easily go 2-1 and one as well. And then Northern Iowa could fall uh, to 0-3. So, again, it's not a must-win, but you lose this game and, and you are really kind of have your backs up against the wall already when it comes to positioning yourselves for the playoffs. Great stuff today, as always, from Sam Herter. I, Brad and I were talking the other day, you know, how you, you could be South Dakota. You know, they open up against Kansas State and get shut out 34 nothing. Now they – Turn around and they make that fun trip to Washington Grizzly Stadium in Missoula, Montana, and that's not a anybody that's been around there. Not a fun place to play as the you feel like the visitor, don't you, Sam? When you go to Montana, so for USD, uh, that's that's a couple of Donnie Brooks right out of the gate. Yeah, absolutely. That that's one of the better matchups. You know, really all of the the top matchups in the FCS this year and or, or this weekend, excuse me, involved the Missouri Valley Football Conference, UND, Northern Iowa, UC Davis goes to South Dakota State. Uh, two playoff teams from last year. And then, yeah, South Dakota goes to Montana, two playoff teams from last year as well. So, um, yeah, some people give me crap about talking about playoff implications in week two, but these type of non-conference games, uh, and in this case, uh, in Grand Forks, it is a conference game, but these type of games do kind of come back and, and, and the playoff committee they do look at these sort of games when trying to figure out who's in and who's out. That's why you always had that upper head. You could do the old, uh, well, I kind of told you so back in September. How big, <laughs> you know, that, that kind of thing. Sam, how do people get a hold of your, your stuff? How do they read you? Uh, articles and, and things, websites, blogs, uh, posts. Uh, how do people get a hold of your stuff? Yeah, I'm on Twitter, at Sam Herter FCS, and then our website is heroesports.com. Have a fantastic weekend, Sam, and looking forward, hopefully, to a conversation with you throughout the FCS season. And, Brad, I know you're just excited about that championship game on a Sunday. Oh, yes, but before we go, Sam, <laughs> I, I guess I feel like we buried the lead there. I uh, I don't get it, but your, your take on that. So I don't mind it um, overall. And I had a tweet that said, uh, you know, something different on a Sunday, you know, thumbs up a later kickoff time, more, more tailgating, two thumbs up, being on ABC, which automatically is, is going to boost my eyeballs. That's three thumbs up. But going up against the NFL, you know, that, that's three thumbs down. But I think overall, I, I still do believe even going head-to-head with some NFL games, it still is going to draw more viewers than a majority of the past games on ESPN2 at 11 a.m. Central Time. Uh, you know, on average, there's probably about one and a half million viewers when the game is on ESPN2. When it was on ABC a few years ago, uh, James Madison, North Dakota State played. I think that was 2.6 or 2.8 million, and that was when it was on ABC. Is it going to do those numbers again this year against the NFL? Probably not. But if it gets 1.8 to 2 million viewers on ABC, I I would still call that a win. And so I I like it being later in the day. I like it being on Sunday. I really like it being on ABC. But this is kind of a a quote-unquote test where, you know, maybe there is only 1.1 million viewers and you go okay that that didn't work out too well so um, overall i like it but it will be interesting and i do understand the question mark of you know this is going right up against the nfl and, and no one's gonna <laughs> no one's gonna be beating the nfl when it comes to the tv screen. two days so we'll, of, we'll see what happens two days of tailgating i don't think we'll have to worry about the decibel level on a casual sunday well maybe we will maybe <laughs> maybe they'll get that resurgence like we all can maybe sometimes get on the back end of a uh, of a weekend so sam as always <laughs> man uh, keep doing what you're doing good insight today and and each and every time we get a chance to talk so we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon buddy thanks sam that sounds great. Thank you, guys. You bet. Sam Herter joining us today. He is the uh, senior FCS analyst. Uh, if you can uh, catch him on Hero Sports and uh, and get a load of that. It is. You know, if you go down and make a road trip of it, uh, Brad, on a 
Friday, and then you're hitting your favorite establishments and group get-togethers yeah, on a I guess if you can, yeah. Saturday. You don't have to leave Wednesday, you can leave Thursday, yeah. or maybe Friday, and just come back Monday. I mean, you know, it's it's going to be a... Uh, you know, if, just don't uh, don't poop yourself out by uh, by Sunday. You know, you'd be all tuckered out by Sunday. Well, exactly. Any, Usually, your Sundays tank. Sundays your rest and recovery day if you go down to Frisco. Sundays, it's those people coming back. Go, should we stop to eat in Kansas City and then just drive back? Stop in it? Wichita or somewhere. Uh, yeah. Oh, Grove and Kindred tonight on one hundred four point seven FM. Brad Anderson has the call on that game. Our Friday Night Lights High School game of the week. Red Hawks tonight got to stave off elimination. Game two of a best of three series. Tyler Grower, the big sycamore going tonight for the Red Hawks. The rookie pitcher of the year, Luis Ramirez, going for Winnipeg. Our pregame show around 6.15 tonight on the fan. Twins and Guardians on our brother station, 790 KFGO. You want sports? You got it right here on this property all weekend long. Keep it locked in on the fan. Common Man is coming up next. Our thanks to hearing from Ben Lieber today, Corey Provis, and Sam Herter. Common is next right here on 740 The Fan KNFL.